Being Black in America comes with its challenges. However, we understand that enlightenment through education is the oppressor's worst fear. By bridging the gap between academia and the people, our purpose is to equip you with knowledge that breaks down barriers during your journey towards truth and freedom. Welcome to the Black and Highly Dangerous Podcast. Yo, Dev, how's your week been in the holiday season? Are you are you still full? Uh, I am still full um, and trying to just make sure I stay in shape, stay in shape. Um, because last week, like during the like holiday week, I actually was committed to running every day. I didn't have jam access, but I ran every day. Um, but I definitely enjoyed myself on Thanksgiving and I ain't mad at myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I made sure to not go too crazy throughout the week and kind of save most of my bad eating for the one or two days of Thanksgiving. Um and then uh, we did get, we we got uh, the LA Fitness, like they can have like a, a week pass for free for guests. Mm, so, okay. we, so we wind up doing that and going to the gym um, to try to do a little something because I knew what was coming on Thursday. So I was like, all right, let me try to just burn some extra calories. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's good. But I can't believe it's December already. I know, December last Last month of 2019. Oh, man, this year went flew by kind of fast. Yeah, I think so, too. It's a little scary. Yes. <laughs> I wanted this to just a sign of us getting older, too. That's what Maybe old, so. Older folk used to always tell me, like, hey, when you get to my age, you know, you blinking five years later. I'm like, I'm starting to feel that. Like, yeah, scary. <laughs> oh, man. So you got to just enjoy, take some time to pause and enjoy the moments, I guess. But we just be working so much. And I think we're in that age group where we are, you know, trying to establish ourselves and career-wise and get things moving. So we just probably work a little more now than we will hopefully in a few years. So we can kind of just crew be on cruise control. Yeah, I um, I feel like it's now is like the time to just grind. It's grind mm-hmm. time, and like you said, hopefully the fruits will pay off. Later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll be at the beach chilling a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. That'd be nice. Um, all right. So this week, well, really for this next the holiday season for this month and maybe some change, it'll just be Daph and I chopping it up. Um, and so, you know, we'll just be talking about whatever, some pertinent topics, things we find interesting that we should talk about. And I think we'll have a couple episodes too where we'll cover later on some um, some major topic things that we want to talk about like we've done in the past. Uh, but like we always do, I guess we can just start with some old Lord news and then hop into some of the, the bigger stories. Yes. Hello, and welcome to BHD News, where we give you the most current and eye-opening old lore news of the week. Join us as we present news that'll make you want to say... So for this first story, you know, it's the holiday season. It is package season, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I think I actually read that uh, people online ordered about $7.4 billion worth of goods uh, for Black Friday online okay. shopping. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So package season. So tell me why a white woman 
called the police on a black UPS man delivering packages in her neighborhood because he, quote, made her nervous. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) How did she make him nervous when I'm sure that he had a bunch of boxes and was dropping them all off over the place, probably had the uniform on, the big truck. Come on, Yes, he had the uniform. He had a trolley walking around with boxes. Um, She wanted his name. She started following him around and was like, I'm going to follow you until, you know, you leave to make sure, you know, you're who you say you are. Um, But it was a third party that came over to record her because they're like, woman, you are ridiculous. Yeah, that is wild. That is wild. Speaking of delivery truck drivers, my um, my brother at work uh, delivers for Amazon now. Uh-huh. <laughs> and- like the little individual, like contractor delivery type thing? Nah, with the, you know, I guess they have where you can, you go there, he actually goes in and gets the trucks and, you know, oh, Amazon. So he oh. works for them now, yeah. Uh, and delivers, um, and so it's been funny because he's been doing five, it just started about a month, uh, but he's been losing so much weight. <laughs> that is so funny. Because he said he literally walks uh, eight miles a day. That um, is crazy. And I'm like, yo, so he's lost in like 20 pounds in like a month. Um, but he's been telling me about their, their work habits, man. Uh, and he, he's like, they, I guess the delivery drivers try to get all hit their quota or get everything in in a certain time yeah and he's like some of his co-workers man it's crazy because they'd be like they don't even stop for uh um like to go one. to the bathroom okay to, wow. and so they have bottles at least the male ones they have like bottles where they where they actually pee in the bottles because oh. they don't want to stop oh no no <laughs> and this was no. also on the news too uh a couple of weeks ago i saw that same thing my brother had told me first and then i wound up seeing it on the news talking about delivery drivers and what they be doing and so i say all that to say make sure y'all uh have some hand sanitizer after i open them amazon boxes <laughs> yes please do that's an old lord by itself yeah it's wild yes. um, yeah so gross great i know that's what i said when i heard about I'm like that's nasty, man. So I definitely will be looking at these boxes differently. Yes, please do. I, I will as well. Immediately mm-hmm. wash my hands and toss yes. that box. <laughs> okay. Speaking of actual theft, um, so we've talked about Airbnb before. I talked about the upsides, the downsides. Um, well, one that. I guess people wouldn't expect, uh, especially since when you book Airbnb, you give your name, you have your ID and all that, et cetera. Well, one Clayton County, um, Georgia homeowner hosted a, a, a couple and some children for a week after she returned home. Her TV was missing. Um, a bunch of valuables were missing. They wrote wow. lipstick, like they used uh, lipstick to write on the mirror. I don't know what they told her. Probably like, oh, we got your junk. Um, but what's crazy is like the lady had a ring camera, but they stood in front of the camera to block the uh, video uh, recording when they were uploading the car. Oh, wow. Wow. It was like a legit scheme. Yeah. Still. But the crazy thing is the lady said that like she went through the trash and the people left, uh, I guess, papers with their like actual names on it. Hopefully that's not a scheme to to get somebody else in trouble for what they did. Somebody else in trouble, yeah. Yeah, but. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, you got to be careful. Uh, Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, and I don't even feel like I'd be feel comfortable doing like Airbnb. Like if I were to rent out with my like own house, like yeah. where I live, like that's just not happening. <laughs> it would have to be like a rental somewhere else. I don't know, some other property. Yes. Like, people ain't just walking up in my place. That's yeah, crazy. you're not going to be in my private residence. Yep. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. So uh, two more old horse stories. Um we have to be on the lookout for next year's election. You want to know why? Oh, uh, what's going on now? Voting machine problems in key swing states have officials panicked. And there's one particular election that recently happened in Northampton County, Pennsylvania. Um, it was a county judge's race, and it showed that one candidate a Democrat had just 164 votes out of 55,000 votes across more than 100 precincts. And of course that was suspicious to people. Um, Some precincts even reported zero votes for him. Now, when they saw that they decided they were going to count, I guess, count the ballots by hand and come to find out the Democrat actually won and had 26,140 two votes over the Republican who had 25,134 votes. But when the machines counted it, they only gave that Democrat 164 votes. Yo, that's crazy. And like, what if it wasn't that extreme? Like, what if the totals weren't off that much that would raise suspicion that would make them count? Yeah. Yeah, that... Oh, that is worrisome. Oh man, I'm I'm to the point. I feel like everything needs to be hand counted. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that just needs to. It just needs to happen. Um, I know that takes time and, and resources, but if these things are glitching like that, and like you said, if it was close by a thousand votes or something, they wouldn't have. They checked. wouldn't. Have, yep, they would not have checks, and that's just so scary to me. I won't, especially because a few months ago we had stories that like these voter machine people are uh lobbying uh senators and you know lawmakers to keep them from passing legislation that would make voting machine i guess oversight more stringent yeah it needs to be yes it needs to be. I don't trust this. Yeah, no, I don't trust it at all, especially with this upcoming election. It's too much at stake. I can't can't do another four years of Trump, man. So we got to make sure that these things are working working right. But I mean, this has been a big topic of discussion. It's this idea of voter suppression um, in various forms, where we're talking about things like gerrymandering or ID laws. And now with these um, ballot machines, I think it's a lot that I think we need to see a lot more headlines discussing and highlighting these things because mm-hmm. it can be very problematic. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Um, this story will probably interest you. So uh, West Virginia prisons, um, people that are incarcerated there will be given access to electronic tablets, allowing them to read books and articles, read music, write emails and send photo and video chat with family and friends. Mm, that's nice. That's nice. You know, there's been some prisons that have been again to to do that and allow, but it would, it usually comes with, um, uh, you gotta have what, what money, uh, what's the money, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you have money on the books. Yeah. What? Well, I was about to say, that's the old oh Lord news. That's the catch. Okay. Oh, okay. I, okay. Okay. 
So it will cost uh, incarcerated people three to five cents per minute just to read free books, books that are free Mm, on the tablets. And, you know, when you get to like the video chat and stuff like that, it's like 25 cents a minute um, for video stations, 25 cents per written message, 50 cents to send a photo, which, you know, okay, I, I I won't say I care less about those things, but when it comes to like reading, why are you charging people to read? Yeah, I don't understand. I mean, I, that's what I was thinking in the world. I was looking for the commissary. But yeah, I think uh, it's always a gotcha. It's always trying to make some money with prison. Um, and so I figure, yeah, yeah, I mean, two to three cents per minute to read a book. I mean, that is wild. Like, Yeah, the per minute charge. And, you know, if they wanted to say, okay, they should pay, how about they pay per book? And they always have access to that book because the issue is if they wouldn't wanted to reread a book, they would still be repaying that three to five cents per minute for the book. Yeah, especially if you get paid like 50 cents an hour or something like that. Like, <laughs> like yo, that, that's, that goes a long way just to read. And that's not an incentive to get people to do those kind of things, to educate themselves or read and, and use video chats a lot. But you should, we should have known that they were going to monetize it in some way. In really? some way, man. Yeah, uh, so sad. Okay. Yeah, but th- those are pretty much my oh Lord news. I don't know if you have anything. Um, oh, you know, I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got um, one that kind of like a because I got a couple of political uh, things I want to talk about, but this is a good segue into it because it's like kind of old Lord news, but also political at the same time. And I, and I think like we, you said, we mentioned this before on the podcast, possibly, I can't fully remember, but it's been a headline for the past week. And this was with um, ICE creating uh, a fake university and that arrested about 250 foreign students. You hear about this, Dav? Mm-hmm, I did. Yeah. <laughs> so so for those of you who are not familiar with the story, um, they created a, a fake university. I think it was called the University of Farmington. Um, and it was actually created by federal agents, ICE agents. Uh, and it was a multi-year program. Um, and essentially what they did was seek out immigrants or children or students, not children, but people who would be students who were illegal and get them to pretty much give them all this information, sign tuition, all that kind of stuff, um, and enroll into this fake university where they then uh, took a good chunk of them. It started with like 90 they arrested. And then I think recently it came up to like 250 people they've arrested um, who are undocumented. And I think 80% of those cases voluntarily said they had would go back um, to their countries of origin. And I think 20% of them are still fighting uh, what's going on. Yeah. You know what? I just looked up. It was. So like you said, it's been multi. So it happened in January as well. Um, and they used the same university name, which is crazy. So if you're not <laughs> oh. reading the news or you're not paying attention, you'll fall for this little scheme. Yeah, yeah. And so I was reading, I wanted to see what both sides of the argument were saying. Um, uh, Because I looked at like, you know, liberal news media and then also like Fox News Uh, and both and see what the overlaps were. And uh, what's interesting, though, is that why I think 80 percent of the people who were caught voluntarily went back is because they were the agents were using this as a way they were like. They were for. They said that the 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 students knew that this was fake, 
And so they wanted it so that they can just use it to get a visa, say that they were enrolled in school to get a visa, although they mm. knew it was fake. Mm-hmm. So it was like both parties kind of knew it wasn't uh, a legitimate thing, but they were okay with it. So they f- helped them make all this fake paperwork and all this other kind of stuff to give it to them so they can use it to keep their visas. Uh, so people scheming on both sides. <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> so uh, they, essentially, they thought it was uh not legit you know they didn't think it was an ice university but they didn't think the university was legit anyway they just thought yeah. it, it, okay yeah so they were using it to get their paperwork so they can stay in the country and use that as a way and they weren't trying to go to schools all that kind of stuff uh which i guess made it easier for ice agents to round them up um and and then also when i was looking on fox news because their headline was like you know pretty much liberals don't want you to know that this ICE University started under Obama administration. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it, I think it began, like they created it or developed it in 2015, but it didn't actually start admitting students or doing the whole thing until 2017. So the, the idea, and it started to become a fruition, they started to like develop it and put it all together in 2015, uh, the latter half of the Obama years. And then, and then it actually you know, went ham during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so you know, who, I don't know if this was something that Obama, you know, who knows, because it's something that Trump probably didn't even sanction as well. But we know that at least under the Trump administration, ICE has been allowed to go be wild and do these kind of things and use these measures and definitely have more support from the executive office. Uh, but yeah. it did start in 2015, but then you start into 2017. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting too. Interesting. Um, Obama <laughs> did it too. You know, that's that that is their thing. That's all they want to say, <laughs> Actually, what's funny is did you read that uh Trump has some campaign speech uh or speech. I, I don't know. Every speech he gives is technically a campaign speech, but some speech where he talked about running how he ran against Obama in 2016. Like the man is so obsessed with Obama, he that's who he thought he ran against, at least while he was talking <laughs> in that speech. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's he is, he is, yo. He's really like envious and jealous. You know, I feel like he just really it's just funny watching like how Trump is when it comes to Obama. You didn't run against him, but everything you do is trying to be better than him, and you will never be better than Obama Trump. <laughs> Ever. Never Ever. be as well liked as him as well. Um, all right. Uh, another thing that I saw in the news, and this kind of gets us to some political stuff as we're talking about Trump. Um, I know we recently, past couple of weeks, have mentioned Buttigieg rising in the polls, especially in places like Iowa and the like. Um, and so, you know, we also equally said that we were going to try to keep an eye on what's going on. And there was this huge headline uh, that went viral and was actually started from a blog post by a guy by the name of Michael Harriet from The Root. Um, and he, the title, the headline of it is Pete Buttigieg is a lying mother effort, <laughs> which is already a, you know, a, a gotcha headline that catches a lot of attention. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and this went viral, this post, even viral enough that Buttigieg had to respond. He responded on networks like CNN um, and on the news. Uh, I saw clips of him talking about it and saying that he was going to actually reach out to the author of this article, he and which did. he did, which he did, <laughs> which he did. Uh, I could talk about that in a second, too. Uh, but essentially what this article was talking about was that um, he called Pete Buttigieg a liar because uh, a a few handful of years ago, Pete Buttigieg was on a panel. He was talking about how we need to um, 
I guess, improve education in, uh, you know, disadvantaged uh, neighborhoods full of minorities. And one of the approach he took was uh, pretty much saying that, hey, these kids don't see uh, role models. They don't have role models. They don't know what education can do for them uh, because they don't see it. And uh, so the author took a lot of issue with this because he was saying that you're not really addressing the systemic issues of racism um, that go along with that. You're just saying, hey, we need uh, more role models there. And then the problem is going to be fixed. And he's saying that also that Pete Buttigieg, who, you know, went to a, a top school and Notre not Notre Dame, but I think it was his school was located in Notre Dame. And I think with the Harvard and the Rose Garden knows very much as well. It's educated enough to know that that's a lie, that there's mm-hmm. a lot more issues within uh, this education system that should be addressed and he shouldn't be kind of propagating that kind of message because it kind of excuses systemic issues of racism or why we see these inequalities. Mm. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? I know, and of course you study this stuff in education. Yeah, I f- so I think kind of like you said, what the author said is like when you just want to put it on one thing, it's just that one thing. They need role models. They don't know. They don't see. And I can't say that is true. I've been in schools and when students don't know what's possible, they cannot reach for those goals. However, if they know what's possible, they still need all these structural changes to happen to ensure that they can uh, actually reach their full potential. So like I've talked about my story before, I'll use me. Went to a Title I high school. Well, Title I schools all growing up. And, um, you know, I had the potential. I was a valedictorian of my high school. People really invested in me. Um, people pushed me to go to Vanderbilt. I didn't want to go to Vanderbilt. Um, uh, but like they literally, they made me apply or guilted me into applying. So I'm like, okay, I'll apply. Um, and I get there and I almost flunk out. And it's not because I'm not smart. It's not because I didn't have role models or it's not because I didn't even have the intellectual capacity. It is because my schools were underfunded, um, overcrowded, um, had all of these issues. So if you're only going to focus on role models and, you know, putting people in the spaces, but not giving them uh, the supports that they need is it's not going to work. So that's my little two cents. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, role models is is definitely uh, important. Uh, but it's hard to have role models when, like, there's nothing set in place to, I guess, cultivate these role models as far as what we want the children to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think I think that's what the author was getting at. You need to address the systemic things first, and then the role models will naturally come. Yeah, You'll have yeah. parents who have good jobs and degrees, and you won't have to even search that far. But if there's nothing there to build these role models, um, then it's going to be hard to have them. So it can't you can't start with the role models. You got to start with. The racism, essentially. Um, and I think most of us would agree with that. And so, yeah, like I mentioned, uh, Buddha Judge did reach out <laughs> to the author. Um, he said he wrote another piece, kind of just following up, talking about his conversation with Buddha Judge and uh, Buddha, Judge, Buddha Judge Camp, uh, text him. And then he's like, sure, I'll, I'll talk to him. And then he actually called him. They were on the phone for about 20 minutes. Uh, and, he, and he just said that Buddha Judge really was listening 
most of the time he started off the conversation saying, you know, uh, I don't think I've ever been called a lie, a lying mother ever before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he started it off. Uh, but the author said, you know, he really came from a place where he was quiet and listening um, and, and really hearing what he has to say. But he did at the end say he doesn't know how much Buddha, like what Buddha judge will do with it if he actually will take, you know, into consideration and he doesn't think that this all of a sudden means Buddha just is going to be for black folks. Uh, but he did at least listen. It wasn't coming at it from a combative standpoint and trying to be contentious, um, which, you know, we can see what happens after this conversation. I'm sure it may be brought up later on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what's interesting, uh, speaking of people's comments, um, uh and backtracking and a bunch of other things. Did you hear Bill Cosby gave his first uh, prison interview? Uh, I saw the headline. I didn't read it at all, but okay. yeah. <laughs> well, he talked, he, you know, just kind of talked about how, you know, he's like, I got eight years and nine months left. You ain't going to hear me apologize when I come up for, for parole. They're not going to hear me say that I have remorse. I was there. I don't care what that group of people come along and talk about this. And then, you know, he just said like it was a setup. But then he started like talking about other things. So you remember, you know, thinking of Buttigieg's comments about like, you know, the black community. And everybody remember Bill Cosby's pound cake speech mm-hmm. uh, where, you know, he made the controversial comments uh, about the black community. And he actually said... Looking back that he admitted that he should have made such sweeping uh, statements about the black community. Uh, but then he did does go on to say that, you know, the black community is under siege. The thing with drugs and a different pockets of neighborhoods were going on. When you look at the drugs they're doing, the things that make these people drive around and shoot into crowds, you know, it's insanity. So I just thought it was interesting that, but from behind jail, he's still talking about the black community. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I didn't hear all the other stuff. I, the headline was just talking about, uh, him not being remorseful for what yeah. Um, so that's interesting. He was like, everything that I warned about in 2004, they've thrown education out of the window. They've thrown respect for the family out of the window and they're blaming each other for what's going on. <laughs> this guy Cosby, man. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, man, from behind bars, still, still getting headlines. Still getting headlines. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. Um, I mean, we do know what happened, but it's just like, you know, he was a black hero, if you will. Um, for a role he, model. For he did, a he role did. model. Um, was able to bridge that gap of really showing a black middle class and from the show and even his, you know, his comedy and the things he would do for the community. But this stuff that happened behind the scenes is like, man, like, uh, it hurts, you know. <laughs> he said he said also in an interview that they've been taking like the Cosby show off because they want to take away positive portrayals of black people in the media. What do you think about that comment? Uh, I, I mean, they're not, that's not why they're doing it. They're <laughs> 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 doing it for what you did. Um, and, it, and I can see why networks would be torn. Um, but it's also like, this is one of the conversations of separating, you know, the art from the artist, I guess. Uh, and, oh, man, yes, it's, it's tough. It's tough, you know. 
Because I will say that, you know, growing up in terms of like positive role models and like seeing that, I know it's just a TV show, but the Cosby show gave me a view into a world that I did not know, that I did not personally live. And I don't know, seeing Claire Huxtable, like I, it did have a positive influence on me. Like, you know, seeing like them with the HBCU shirts, like every single um, episode, I it, it was positive. And I do think it positively impacted my aspirations. I knew what type of family I wanted to have. I knew I wanted to go to college and you know what I'm saying? All of that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it does. And I think, I guess, yeah, because I guess he named the show The Cosby Show. Yeah, uh, I feel like he, he, like you mentioned, like he wasn't just the only person that made the show. It was all the characters that we all were able to connect to, whether it was the youth and the kids, and um, like you said, Claire and and everyone, and going to college, spin off of a different world, and all, all of it. What it encompasses, I think, it just means so much more than Cosby. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it does taint his legacy, and then taints who supports that um, yeah people would view that if they can't really separate the art from the artist and it's like should we do that i mean what he has done is terrible <laughs> and so you know i don't know um it sucks just to say yeah. that. i guess blackish can feel that role now yeah yeah blackish is definitely kind of a modern uh view of uh, of the cosby's middle yeah. class and 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 all that kind of stuff and then the spinoff of grownish uh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. Uh, King, <laughs> King Burris, uh Thank you. Please, no scandals. Please. <laughs> please make sure your uh, house in order behind yeah, everybody. Yes. Yeah, everybody is good. Um, and so I guess, yeah, talking about uh, politics to Cosby to HBCUs, uh, Bernie Sanders has released a plan in this past week. Uh, where it's talking about he is going to support HBCUs and mm. minority serving institutions is a big part of his plan. Uh, so I actually went to the website to look at his plan specifically instead of just getting it from media outlets. Uh, you know, so he gives the, the, the details of what we talked about previously before on this podcast. And we talked about HBCUs and what they do and 40 percent, um, uh, not 40 percent, um, HBCU graduates account for 40% of the African-American members of Congress, 40% of the African-American engineers, 50% of professors at non-HBCUs, 50% of black lawyers, 80% of black judges. Um, and so, you know, this is HBCUs are still a major hub of producing some of, you know, the top black elite folks in these spaces. And so, you know, he starts with that. And so what I want to say is this, uh, this, he's trying to be slick when you look at the plan because we already know that Bernie has already said, and this is the thing I, that he wants free education for all as is, you know, mm-hmm. that's part of his platform. Mm-hmm. And that's so true. it's that's still true. the same thing, but now he's just saying, oh, also it will be free for HBCUs. Like, uh, oh, it's just a marketing. Yes, uh, it's just a marketing. Strategy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's already a part of the agenda. And I, when I started reading, I'm like, yo, you already said you was doing this, but you're just saying, you know, you're just specifying HBCUs, uh, but they were already going to receive a lot of it. I think the only thing that I would say is uh, what he did, because a lot of the talk for public education, free public education was for public education. And a lot of the HBCUs are private institutions. And so that's the, I guess the caveat that he said this funding would be uh, given to HBCUs 
private institutions that are specifically minority serving or HBCUs. So they will also qualify for the free education. So students who go there will also be able to have free tuition and stuff like that. Mm. Um, so that's the only, I think, extra thing is that the private schools, private HBCUs will be accounted for, but everything else is like, okay, this is the whole plan. I'm just throwing HBCUs in there. Um, well, okay. So I can, So I think one reason that they may have done that is because People like me and people like you, they're like, what's your black plan? What's your black plan? And I feel like, so I engage with a lot of Bernie supporters Mm -hmm. um, online and they're like, you know, well, the rising tides or, you know, raise all boats. Like, you know, they're the thing like, oh, these plans do help black people. Like by economically, Mm -hmm. they do help black people. And but he's not going to get the votes of people who are really concerned with the black agenda if he don't say black. Yeah, pretty much. So I, I think that's what this is. He, you know, for some voters, if they if they don't hear that agenda, they're like, mm, I'm skeptical that you really actually care. Um, so that's what I think that's about. Yeah, yeah, I, I think this is exactly think exactly right. Uh, from from what this looks like, it's just saying like, hey, okay, instead of just saying free education for all, let me just say specifically how free education will look for Black folks. Um, yeah. In my free education for all plan, and so I think we'll see more of that because I don't know why he's late to the party because most of his you know competitors have already talked about <laughs> HBCU funding from like Kamala and even like Elizabeth Warren and things like that. So um, he's a little bit late to the party with it, but I think it is from that push. Like, yo, you're not saying black enough, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just not. Um, so I think, again, I'm, but I'm all, by all means, I'm all, I'm very supportive of these initiatives, but I also am always very, you know, have my eyebrows raised and like, we got to be careful here. Is this really something set aside for black folks? Uh, I'm not buying that all away quite yet. It it just seems like, you know, still with him, but it does help black folks in particular. So it's good that he's actually being pushed to address these things. <laughs> yeah, I, I think you just highlighted the importance of reading beyond the headlines and actually digging into policies and digging into the platforms because you know, otherwise you can easily fall for the okie doke. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are going to just take the headlines and it was pushing like even like major social media outlets like the Shade Room is where I first saw it. Um, and as you see the headline, Bernie, Bernie Sanders says he's going to, you know, give billions of dollars to HBCUs and people taking and run with it. And that's all you see in this day and age. Right. Especially with millennials and, and younger. Um, we're just going to keep those headlines or what those social media posts say. And be like, oh, that's good. Talk to your friends about, it. hey, Bernie did say he's doing it for HBCUs and not yeah. really dig deeper into the nitty gritty and see, um, is this something that really benefits us uh, yeah. the way we would like it to? Yeah. Uh, Speaking of, I guess, Bernie initiatives, there's this uh, healthcare story that just came out that might, you know, have people saying like, okay, we really need to do something about healthcare. Um, and it's, it's weird. So uh, Brigham Young University in Ohio, in Idaho, I said Ohio, Idaho. Um, I think they're a religious uh, university. I think they're like Mormon types. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, like all universities, they require their students to have have health insurance to be enrolled. Um, And one issue that's coming up, though, is historically they have allowed students who have like Medicaid, Medicare type 
insurance to be enrolled at the school. However, starting January 1st, they will not allow students with Medicaid to enroll in the school. And the only way they can stay in school is if they enroll in a private health insurance plan, which just so happens to be uh, administered by the university. Oh, if they don't have like their own outside private plan, then, you know, their only option is to buy the university's private plan. So they're trying to come up. Yeah, they're trying to come up. But they said it's also tied to the fact that um, Idaho finally, I guess, approved a Medicaid expansion that would provide an additional um, 70,000 low income residents, including students with medical insurance and i think that it's like a right religious institution and it doesn't seem like they are pro that medicaid expansion uh, i see what you're saying yeah because uh, yeah uh, yeah uh that's weird um and they probably like start charging students through like tuition like add it into their tuition like health yeah. Caroline, like you have room and board and you have like a health care. Yeah. Like you can probably get a student loan for it, but either way it go, you know what I'm saying? It's like yeah. adding to your burden because the plan is $3,122 a year and they don't even cover certain things because like it's uh, so the university is to the church of Latter-day Saints, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They don't cover uh, like things like birth control and some of the other provisions of like the Affordable Care Act. So it's like you're not even getting everything you need from the insurance, but you're still paying for it. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks. And I, you know, um, being academia, I do think there is a need there for students to be covered in some way, uh, because even I started to realize, and this is something that I've started to like think about even with my teaching and like, so, you know, typically when you take attendance, professors will give students uh, excuse absence if they bring like a doctor's note or something like that. But for students who don't have like access to healthcare and things like that, they're not really going to get no doctor's notes because they're not going to yeah. any doctors. Yeah. Um, so it's like a, a privilege thing that comes in when we have this kind of standard in the classroom where students who, you know, have access to healthcare or doctors and can get these these notes easily and get the absence excused by students who don't have it are sick and are missing time for the same exact reasons, but can't get excused. So I had to start rethinking that in my teaching as far as like, or just as far as how I allow students to be excused. And so now mm. um, students who I feel, who, who at least let me know like what's going on, you know, like, hey, you know, I was really sick and I couldn't get to the doctors for X, Y, and Z. You know, then I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll give you um, that excuse absence instead of it only being so strict. Like I need to see a documentation. Um, and most of that was also because of the bureaucracy of academia just to cover my behind in case things happen. Like, oh, I, I was documented and they showed me, but systemically I can see the inequities, you know, um, yeah. healthcare. Yeah. <clears throat> how it plays out. Yeah, that's I think that's really awesome that you do that. And I think more teachers and professors just have to, I guess, become a little bit more conscious of how issues of inequality play out in the everyday lives of their students and take that into account with their policies and their practices. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yep. Yep. Uh, I think I think it's important. 
because it can't help them, right? Attendance policies and all that stuff can hurt your grade. And you want to make sure, especially with things as a professor, we, we control a lot of what we do. So mm-hmm. we we can, you have that, we have that flexibility to be like, all right, we can give people um, some leniency and some grace yeah. uh, more than other jobs and occupations could. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. Oh, you have another one? Uh, not really. Just telling people to be careful out here. Uh, there's like the flu outbreak. Um, so yeah, consider getting a flu shot. Flu shot. Yeah, I've never gotten a flu shot. I'm trying to think. Did I ever get the flu? Maybe I had the flu before and didn't know. Or I, I mean, know. you probably could. Have. I feel like I've had it before and didn't know. But since I'm with John, he like pressure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't start doing it until uh, we got married and I moved here because I was like, flu shot? What, please? Funny. <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny when you, I guess us li- more liberal arts educated folks and link up with somebody in STEM because, uh, yeah. yeah, Kristen being a food scientist and when it comes to things like food and, and what we put in our bodies and chemicals and not and all that stuff, so I'm like, okay, you put me on a game um, and you rub off on each other and then I rub off on it when it comes to yeah. social Social. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, uh, I saw another story really quick about uh, what I've been noticing, and I think it's worth mentioning. Is you know we know these big tech companies, Google and Facebook, and like Amazon, etc., and even places like Google who have been known to essentially change the workplace environment of being more relaxed and not kind of going that forty hours a week traditional model. You got to be here and do this, um, and it's shown to be very productive in a lot of ways, but. Most of these tech companies now are receiving a lot of backlash from those very employees. Uh, Google has made headlines recently um, because they fired um, a f- four or five pretty high level um, employees who were speaking out against what was going on there. Um, really, a lot of, you know, we've talked, we've, you might have heard of a lot of things going on with um, China and their policies there. And so Google has been working on this kind of secret project to develop a search engine built to satisfy, satisfy China's censorship programming regime. Um, and so people are questioning that, like, yo, you're a American company and, you know, we're about freedom of speech. And now you're trying to go to China, who's we've seen with things like Hong Kong and stuff like that, who've been somewhat oppressive uh, um, to a lot of the Democrat, demo, demo, de, democratic ideals. Um, and so a lot of their workers have um, sp- been outspoken against that. And it has caused tension between those who are in control and their workers. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is the same thing also with, uh, we've seen this, I think, with Facebook, um, because hundreds of Facebook employees have spoken out to oppose the company's stance on political advertising. We know there's a lot of backlash with that because they're just putting out fake advertising um, and they're not checking to see if it's truthful or not. And so a lot of their employees are saying, yo, this is not good. This is not what we stand for. Uh, workers at Amazon have staged a walkout in September uh, to push Jeff, uh, CEO Jeff Bezos for further action on things like climate change uh, because they're not really helping with that a lot. Uh, people mm-hmm. even talked about with the increase of just even like delivery drivers and what's that doing to carbon emissions and mm-hmm. not having recyclable boxes or stuff like that. Uh, um, so it's it's a lot of and so it's interesting to see now that, you know, these big tech companies who control a lot are getting some, having some tension within and seeing what kind of changes that may bring about. Mm. Well, more power um, to to making those changes because, yeah, I feel like 
we are just moving in a direction to where like capitalism and these organizations are just becoming like all powerful. Um, and we, as the workers, we, as the people on the other side are like kind of losing control on, on how things are going. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think we have to pay attention to it and you're right. These things, these companies are too big. Um, and I think I'm starting to think about this a little more deeply is your conversations with like the government trying to break up companies like Google and Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's necessary uh, because even if you think about Google, it's like, you know, I mean, that's just a term we use in everyday language now that we're going to Google something, right? Instead of just saying we're going to search something. It's yeah, like, it's in uh, the dictionary it's now. It's in the dictionary. Um, and it's like, and it's, and it's, and it's, and they're very good at what they do because other times, sometimes like other search engines don't pop up as default on my computer once in a while. I'm like, what the heck? What is this? Like, what? (laughs) This is nowhere near what I was searching (laughs) and what are these websites coming up? Um, So Google's very, very good at what they do, but it's just like, if we come to a a point where, you know, we don't want to support them anymore or things happen and they're not there, it's like, it would be a massive shift and change of how people operate their day-to-day lives. Uh, Mm -hmm. Even just as as students and instructors and just like what we use it for, uh, Facebook, huge Instagram and Facebook and all these things attached to it. And of course, Amazon, like. Yeah. And like, so that's what's crazy. I've started to realize, you know how sometimes you want to like make a little waves and boycott a company. You'd be like, you know, I ain't gonna support you. And then you realize like, oh, the competitor is also owned by this same company. You know what I'm saying? It's it's so much. It's a lot. It's a lot. Um, Yeah, even like trying to go outside of Amazon now is like, it's tough. Um, If you're not getting it from like the direct websites of the companies. Cause you know, before eBay and them used to be popping, and <laughs> yeah. I still have a friend who uses it. <laughs> Everybody, <did. laughs> I have a friend who still only shop. He don't shop on Amazon. He shops on eBay still to this day. You um, know, what? I do stop shop on eBay sometimes, but you gotta be careful. Well, you gotta be careful on because Amazon have fake products. Remember that story from a few weeks yeah, ago? Yeah, and they don't even they don't have quality control sometimes. Looking they over don't. that stuff, they don't. Um, so. So it's interesting, but yeah, these companies are getting a little too big, and uh, and it makes it easier for them to stay big because we become very reliant on them because it's mm-hmm. very convenient for us. Mm-hmm. And I think we have to start thinking about, just start thinking about a world where we're not relying on them because it may happen. You yeah. know, it may, you can't be in it. What will how will we be? What can we do? What will we do? What will we do when we want to get something outside of Amazon? Uh, I don't know yet, uh, but I think we need to start thinking about those things to say the yeah. least. Well, um, I I have one more story. Okay. This this made this is just an interesting headline because we well have we talked about hmm, well we talked about LGBTQI issues, but mm-hmm. did you see the headline where Billy D Williams came out as gender fluid? No, I did not see this. Yes. Uh, so the actor um is breaking the binary. It was a new interview and he said that he uses both he, him and she, her pronouns. He says, I say himself and herself because I see myself as feminine as well as masculine. He continues, I'm a very soft person. I'm not afraid to show that side of myself. I have never tried to be anything except myself. I think of myself as a relatively colorful character who doesn't take himself or herself too seriously. Mm. 
That's interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, um, especially because he's also part of the older generation. You know, yeah, he wasn't raised in it like we were, mm-hmm. uh, and now come out and and use the language and be supportive of it and and dive in because he's eighty two. Yeah, he oh, yeah, so this is like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> now jumping in there. I also just think a part of it too, I think a lot of folks from his generation are very appreciative of this because they didn't have the language when they were growing up of mm-hmm. trying to figure out their identity and, you know, what does this mean and why am I like this? And now uh, that this language is, you know, in the forefront, it even allows them to partake. I'm like, yes, finally I have something or some words to use to say what I've always felt. So I I can see that too. And I can express Uh, it freely. Like, did you see the latest episode of not this, not this most recent Sunday, but the Sunday before of Watchmen? Yep. Yep. I caught up. And you know, what was going on with uh, Hooded Justice? Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, I'm pretty sure those things were happening, Mm -hmm. but it was not something in those days that you could freely express you had to be the man with the wife and the kids and yeah 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 that makes sense yeah that is i I did watch i remember you mentioned watchmen and i started watching it um and i caught up over the break and it's it's a good show you know i think for a lot of the time i was uh i wouldn't say i was confused but i'm like (laughs) it's a lot yeah i'm like come on what can we get like give me something of like what is going on but the last I think episodes five and six, you know, they started to, oh, okay, now I get it. Like tying up those loose ends. Yeah. And helping us make sense of the world that we're watching. Yeah. Um, but I do like the connections of the social commentary uh, in it and and the flip on a lot of things. I feel like I got to go back and kind of either like read the older comics or watch the Watchmen movie. I'm not sure if there's a relation to the movie. Um, well, I think that's why it was kind of a slight pushback or backlash I guess from among like the comic fans because mm-hmm. it's updated to reflect the social issues of our time yeah and of course I don't think it was this like racial slant oh yeah to, nah, yeah 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 I don't think the racial but even I'm probably more so thinking about the characters um yeah yeah there, yeah yeah uh, and just trying to get a better understanding but I'm sure that'll come over time. So it's supposed to be just one season of this or? I think they said it's just one season. It's like a one and done thing. Oh, man. Yeah. Regina King love her one and dones, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she loved her one. I think it's Watchmen and there was that one show on Netflix. Which was really good. But Which it was, was really good. Like, I would rather a show just be like a limited series and done really well mm-hmm. then go on for all of these seasons and you're only watching it because you just want to see how it ends yeah 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 it's true and you probably don't even watch the middle like for our friends since i stopped watching power for a while but now i'm just invested to see like how, how it, it is. is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. regina king the other show you ever watch american crime yes yeah. or i watched some of it yeah okay yeah because every season was different but um, yeah, she did that too. I like she likes these limited series. I guess it works for her, you know. Yeah. You don't have to be committed for years, and you go and go out and tell a good story. Um, yeah, because being on those like series for years, it actually sometimes prevents them from like taking movie roles and other projects. Yeah. So, yeah, I and all of our limited series have been good though. So. Yeah, they have been. That's why. I, and once I saw she was in Watch, I was like, oh no, I definitely got to check this out. 
Um, and most of her limited series always talks on some social commentary. You know, she she rarely takes a role where it doesn't have any kind of meaning on meaning on these series. So, so I like it. Um, appreciative of Regina King, mm-hmm. and I got to see. I'm gonna watch. <clears throat> go check out uh, Queen and Slim this week. I've been hearing good things about it. Yeah, I have to. Although, okay, I read the casting call. Uh... <laughs> Let me, let, let me, child, give me a second. I got to pull this up. Okay. This is a little weird. It, I'm not telling you not to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, I'm, I already got the ticket, so I'm going to go check it out. But I do want to hear what this casting call says. Uh, so the casting call, they were looking for queen, a female age 20 to 35. And it said, born in the South to American parents, American grandparents, and American great-grandparents. Okay, adults, ain't mad at that. Move to the East Coast as soon as she could. Queen is a fiercely intelligent defense attorney who reaches out to Slim on Tinder after the state decides to execute one of her clients. She didn't want to be alone that night. She's brown skin. If she were a slave, she would have worked in the fields. What? Yes. (laughs) Why they gotta add that part in there? (laughs) She has a rough exterior for a reason. Only a few in the world would know why, but she knows, and that's all that matters. Some nudity, you know, breasts and sexual. But I was just like, yeah. the hell if she she would work in the fields? Yo. <laughs> yeah, that was not needed in that description. We didn't need to know, like, come on, man. The script also has some like really weird uh things i don't know so like um these are various excerpts from the script Mm -hmm. it said um see well you know what i don't want to say this because it might spoil okay but there was a so there was something that happened and they said this thing was taunting her like white kids used to taunt ruby bridges is that supposed to evoke emotion from the actors? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> this other part was like, um, dang, it was funny. Um, they lock eyes um, that something like she has the spirit of Nat Turner wrestling inside of her. Like, these aren't things that they say, but I'm yeah, like... Yeah, but that's how they describe it in the script, which is interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's kind of weird. <laughs> they had this weird line about uh, Aretha Franklin. I can't find it. Oh, it said um, that they turned on like Aretha Franklin song. Um, and it said it was sung by a younger, thinner, and less shady Aretha Franklin. What? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, well, this is definitely sounds like a, a black script if you ain't even read one before. If you, oh, my God. I'm like, <laughs> what the Less shady Aretha Franklin. If she was alive, she'd throw some shade at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't even know why they. Uh, um, yeah, that'd be funny. Like reading me an actor or actress reading the script and hearing seeing all these little notes in there. Like what the hell? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's funny though. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'll check it out and uh, give give my two cents on it next week okay. um, on our 100th episode. Woo woo. 100 episodes it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a fun one to record some good things we want to talk about um, yeah. we'll say that say that for next week uh anything else on the docket uh nope just you know hope people staying safe staying warm not spending mm-hmm. too much money these not holidays too much money, holiday season we'll dry them pockets up for sure <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so so yeah, just yeah, yeah, be careful what you're out there spending, be careful of your of your packages and there's a lot of scams from this point to about mid January. Yeah. Um, people trying to get your credit card, people trying to take your boxes, your packages, mm-hmm. get your information. So this is that time where you know, they know people out there trying to get the best deals and stuff are a little bit more, a little more uh, less cautious than usual. So, yeah, what's crazy is that was a big Reddit thread uh, where former burglars shared their tips on how to you know, keep <laughs> your stuff safe. And that's what they said, like, to the extent possible, keep packages off of your front door. Mm, don't, yeah. don't do it. That's that's a way and you know what what's funny is i was riding close to my brother's house one time um like in the spring mm-hmm. uh, he lives really close to my mom so i was going to my mom's house not his and i saw a car stopped in front of his house and i thought it was weird and i kind of peeked mm-hmm. um but i didn't I, I peeked, but I was like, hmm, I don't know if anything is going on. Yeah. Um, but then, like, I saw the guy get out of the car, and it was too late. They, like, turned. I was going to try to get the license plate number, but they went the other direction. Mm. And then come to find out, yes, my brother had been expecting a package, and Somebody Amazon had it. to re-deliver it, yeah. Mm. But I didn't get the – I was just like, so – that's a, you know, people come up real easy that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just sitting on the porch, these boxes, they leave them there. You at work, you know what I mean? It's like, if it's like one o'clock and, yo, oh, well, they probably ain't going to be home until at least four or five. I'm going to go ahead and snatch this up real quick. Yeah. Um, Use Amazon Locker if you don't mind, like, driving to a location to pick up your packages. That is mm-hmm. always an option. Especially if you feel like it's something important you spend a lot of money on. You know what I mean? If it's like... I don't know, some dish towels or something may not be that serious. But yeah, if it's like some electronics, TVs, mm-hmm. <laughs> at least try to be, you know, I try to um, a lot of times because, you know, I, I'm not on campus every day for big deliveries. I make sure I have it delivered on a day where I'm home all day so yeah. I can catch it. Um, but yeah, be careful, y'all. Be careful. Um, yeah, it's that time of the year. Uh, but all right. So, yeah, we can stop there and we'll pick it up next week uh, for our 100th episode. Definitely want y'all to tune in and uh, we'll have a a nice big announcement to to talk about and share with you all for what we plan to do in 2020 uh, with the BHD brand. So we'll we'll share that for the 100th episode and save it for the 100th episode. So so make sure y'all tune in for that. Um and after that, other than that, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media. If you're new to the podcast, our Twitter or our social media handle is BHD Podcast. We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can also visit our website, blackandhighlydangerous.com, to keep up with all our latest content. Um, you can email us, bhdpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any ideas, questions, concerns, guests, just want to say hi, hit us up there. Then go ahead and review and rate us if you listen to us on iTunes, because that really, really, really helps us out. So please, just after you listen to this episode, Go ahead and just drop a review and a comment. Uh, we're very appreciative of that. And after you do that, go ahead and share us with your friends, share us with your family, and share us with your enemies. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear. If you're interested in continuing this and other conversations, visit our website, blackandhollydangerous.com, to subscribe to our email list, suggest topics, and participate in our discussion forums. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at BHD Podcast. And please don't forget to subscribe and rate our podcast on your favorite platform. And as always, continue to be the oppressor's worst fear.